Good morning. <clears throat> I didn't expect to be asked about Jesus before I had finished my cup of coffee that morning. I was sitting on a park bench outside at a conference we were attending for our organization, Barnabas International, when a young teenage girl caught my eye. She waved, and I smiled and nodded, and she began to walk quickly towards me. And suddenly, this stranger sat next to me on the park bench. And she said, are you reading the Bible? And I said, well, yes, I am. I wasn't expecting that question this morning. Are you a Christian? Yes, I am. And I said, are you? And without a pause, a shadow came over her face. And she said, maybe? No? I don't think God is happy with me. I don't think he really wants anything to do with me. She began to tell me her life story, how her family had immigrated to the United States, how her parents were pushing her to change her life path, how she felt her life was one big disappointment after another to everyone else, so why wouldn't God be any different? Tears began to stream down her face, this stranger sitting next to me on a park bench. I hesitated, and then I said, But what if there's a different story? What if God actually delights in you? What if God looks at you and loves you with a deep, everlasting, unshakable love because you're his? What if he wants you, your heart? She turned to me very slowly, and her eyes got really wide, and those tears were streaming down her cheeks, and she said, He wants me? She paused again, and then she said, That explains it. The last time I was in church, I knew I was going to leave, and it was going to be my last time there. I was done. And I heard a voice say to me, Please don't go. Please stay. I want you to be with me. She stopped and turned to me and she said, Do you think that was God? Do you think he wants me? The gospel on a park bench before I had finished a cup of coffee. I think I saw Jesus running down the road after one of his lost sheep. And it was beautiful. So how about you this morning? How do you see Jesus? If I asked you to picture Jesus sitting at your kitchen table with you, sharing a cup of coffee, how would you see him? Would you see him like this girl, disappointed in you? Angry, frustrated? Would you see him proud of you? Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? He knew that was a very important question for us all. A.W. Tozer once wrote that what we think about God is the most important thing about us. Not what we say we think, but what we deep down think. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say most of us in this room would quickly give a biblically accurate description and say, Jesus is the Savior, he's the Son of God, he is our Lord, our Redeemer, light of the world. 
But here's the deal. The theology that we say doesn't always make that long journey from our mouths to our hearts. And the theology that we live is sometimes something different. So, for example, we'd probably all say we believe that God loves us no matter what. But don't we sometimes deep down actually live like, but he'll like me more if I behave well? So for me, this question of Jesus, who do you say that I am, has been stirring in me a lot the last couple of years. And I think probably some of you are sitting here going, okay, Renee, yes, this is like Sunday School 101. We know Jesus loves us, this we know. So then I would ask you this. Are you bored with him? Is he kind of a side note in your life, a minor character? Is he kind of like the way you know your way around Granville? It's necessary, it's ordinary and bland, part of your daily life, but not really anything to wake you up in the morning. Is Jesus kind of like knowing how to get to Costco? Important, but not all that exciting. We lived in China for 20 years, and people often ask me if we're fluent in Mandarin. (laughs) That's a good one. Um, I could study Mandarin my whole life and never plumb the depths of that language. Friends, the same is true of our Lord Jesus Christ. We will spend eternity, and we will never plumb the depths of his heart. So this morning, we're going to look at a passage and listen to what Jesus says about who he is. We're going to hear his words about his heart. So open your Bibles in front of you to page 792. We're going to hear Jesus tell us about who he is. And I'm going to back up actually one verse from what the text says in the bulletin. We're going to begin at verse 27. Matthew 11, verse 27 to 30. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. This morning we're going to look at three things that Jesus tells us in this passage. Three things. Number one, the relentless weight of the world. Number two, the radical invitation. And number three, the real Jesus. If there's one thing I want you to hear today, if this is all you remember, is this. The real Jesus, Lord of heaven and earth, is leaning into you today, the real you, not the Facebook you, inviting you to be free from your burdened heart, the things that keep you up at night, and come to him. 
So first, let's look at what he says about the weight. Verse 28a, the relentless weight. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Our text begins with such an honest embrace of our reality. All who are weary and burdened. So let's unpack those two words. Picture the scene. Earlier in the chapter, in verse 7, we see that Jesus is speaking to a crowd right? Picture this crowd. His disciples are probably there. There's the women that have been following him. There's probably passerbys on their way to work or on their way home from work. People going to the market. It's a packed crowd. And Jesus is looking at this crowd. And he knows the weight in every heart. And he also knows the world in which these people are living. Remember, the Jews have been waiting for the Messiah for centuries. And now they're under Roman occupation. A powerful government who has demanded their allegiance, their taxes, their freedom. They had no voice, no power, and were subject to the whims of people like King Herod, who could send his soldiers in and kill all their baby boys. They were asking questions like, Has God forgotten us? Is it time to give up? Jesus knew all of these burdens of the heavy weight of the world, of this crowd. And he also knew the burdens of religion that this crowd was carrying. You see, the church leaders of the day, the Pharisees, had created hundreds of more commands outside of Scripture that were telling people, this is what it means to be a follower of Yahweh. You do these things. They were weighed down with a slew of do's and don'ts that they could not keep up with. In fact, later in this same gospel, Jesus will say about the Pharisees, they tie up heavy loads and lay them on men's shoulders. Jesus is speaking to people who are desperately trying to find God, desperately trying to be good, driven to weariness. They were people in a weary political situation, tired of waiting, people confused by God's action in the world. Jesus understood that the wait was relentless. What about us? Does anybody feel like we live in a weary world? 2021 and 2020 has given us politics, a pandemic, culture wars, different generations fighting mental health battles, fears about the future. We have been stretched and torn and confused. Our world is a weary, heavy laden place. What about you today? What are you carrying into this room today? Is there someone in your life that you worry about? Do you worry about someone who has chronic mental health challenges or physical health challenges? Are you just exhausted from the pandemic? Are you broken over the state of our world and injustice and pain? Are you confused about your faith, asking questions you don't dare to vocalize? We carry a lot. I see this in my own life and in the ministry where we care for people all over the world. 
So into this weary, heavy-laden first-century Palestine and into our weary, heavy-laden world, into the deepest, darkest, most frightened, most hidden reaches of your heart, Jesus is whispering, come to me. I see your pain and your weariness and your burdens, and you aren't meant to carry that. Come. So the weight of this world is relentless, but Jesus offers us our second point, a radical invitation. First of all, who's invited? If you look at the context of our passage before this, wow, we see a very different Jesus. In verses 20 to 24, he is just railing against cities who had heard him preach, had seen him, and they refused to believe. In the next chapter after our passage, he's going to heal a man with a withered hand. He will heal a demon-possessed blind man, and he will continue to tussle with the Pharisees. Who's invited? Jesus says those who are stubborn and self-sufficient and self-righteous, the religious ones who think they have it all together, that's not who he's talking to. He says, I invite all who are weary and heavy laden. If you find in yourself in any way, shape, or form that you are weary, this invitation is for you. So what is his invitation? Jesus gives us three verbs, and I think the order is very important. He says, come, take, and learn. The very first thing he says in his invitation is, come to me. I think come is one of Jesus' favorite verbs. Think about how many times he said, Come follow me. Come doesn't require us mustering up strength or getting all the answers right. Come is falling into the arms of Jesus. He isn't inviting us to a system or a program. He's inviting us to himself. He's always waiting for you. So first, before anything else, Jesus says, Know my love. Come to me. You are accepted and known and loved before you lift a finger. Before you do a single thing. I love you in your mess. I love you in your questions. I love you when you don't do it right. When you stumble. I love you when you're not looking at me. I love you when you run away. I simply want you to come. And then Jesus says, take my yoke and learn from me. Remember the order. First, we come. We are totally embraced in the love of Christ. We don't have to do anything. In our good Dutch Protestant work ethic, that's kind of important for us to hear. You don't earn or do a thing. This is radical. God's love is not dependent on a single thing you do. He is recklessly generous. And then he says, take my yoke and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So a yoke, you know, was this wooden slab that they put over animals to pull something heavy. 
in the Old Testament, they often talked about the yoke as uh, a really bad thing. You are submissive to someone stronger than you. Paul talks about the yoke being the law, that it was impossible to keep. So what is going on here? What is Jesus inviting us to a yoke that doesn't sound good? But Jesus is inviting us to a whole different way. We carry our burdens and we trudge through life thinking it's up to us. I have to figure out my future I have to make sure we have enough money. I have to know all the answers to life's questions. I have to raise perfect children. And when it comes down to it, it's just, it's kind of up to me. And Jesus is saying, I want to put my yoke on you. And the two of us are yoked together. You see, a yoke needed two animals. There was somebody else there. And you were never alone. So Jesus is inviting you to walk with him. And I love this word. When he says his yoke is easy, I won't get into, I won't get crazy Greek geeky out, but I am excited about this word. The word easy, my yoke is easy, is a beautiful Greek word. It's the word krestos. And it means easy, but it also means kind and pleasant and sweet. So if you look for that word throughout the whole New Testament, anytime you see that word krestos, it often refers to kindness. So in Luke 6, when we're commanded to love our enemies, it says, for the Lord is kind to the ungrateful. He is krestos. In Romans 2, Paul says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, his Christos. It's listed as a fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, Christos. So what does this mean? This means the yoke that Jesus has for you, what he's inviting you to, is his kindness. It's an invitation to his kindness. Augustine says, Jesus is talking about feathers to a bird. It's not a heavy weight. It's something that will make you soar. Jesus promises his yoke is easy. He means, I want to invite you to my kindness. So set down your weariness, your struggling, your worries, and receive his kindness. Doesn't that sound great? The weight of the world is relentless, but Jesus offers us this radical invitation to not do it alone, to receive his kindness and set down our pain. And then finally in this passage, he tells us who he is, the real Jesus. How would you fill in this blank if I asked you, Jesus expects me to, what would you say? Live a cleaned up life, be obedient, have all the answers, don't make mistakes. How we fill that blank in says a lot about what we think about who this Jesus is. In this passage, Jesus tells us with his own words who he is. 
Jesus runs, runs to the sufferers. He doesn't wait for us to get cleaned up or have our act together. He doesn't say, come to me all who have their acts together and answers right. Or come to me everybody who has a perfect family and no mistakes. He says, come to me all who are weary. I think about Matthew who wrote this gospel. Matthew who was a tax collector totally rejected by his own people because of that. He was an outsider. The Pharisees often talked about tax collectors as people to be shunned. And Jesus saw Matthew as a friend to be welcomed in. All who are weary. And then Jesus gives us two adjectives. If you were going to tell somebody who Jesus is, I'm going to guess we probably wouldn't pick these two words. He says, I am gentle and humble. These are not really popular adjectives in our world today. Our world likes swagger and bravado, power and boldness. And Jesus says, I am gentle and humble. And you know what? I believe him. Have you watched him throughout the Gospels? Have you watched his birth? Have you watched him reach to the lowly and preach good news to the poor and heal the suffering and welcome the outcasts and have compassion on the sinners? Have you watched him walk the road to the cross? seen the crown of thorns on his head and his head drop in death. When our Jesus says he is humble and gentle, I believe him. He is accessible. He's the most understanding person in the universe. We have a very good former Muslim friend who lives in the Middle East, and he says, when I was wrestling with who Jesus is, my Muslim faith, everything in me said, God is powerful and vengeful. He said, a God who is mighty, yes. A God who keeps track of all my mistakes, I got that. But a God who's gentle, I don't know what to do with that. And our friend wept as the reality of the real Jesus gripped his heart. That Jesus was powerful and gentle. He was humble and kind. So is Jesus just kind of a soft, tender-hearted character? He's just gentle and humble? Absolutely not. And that's why verse 27, before our passage, matters so much. Jesus says, all things have been given to me. Jesus is the all-powerful Son of God, the maker and master of all. 
He's the heir of all things, Hebrews 1 tells us. The one who holds the whole universe in his hands. Through him and by him and for him are all things. He's the one who's coming again soon in power. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the one that when John saw him in Revelation 1, John collapsed at his feet. He's been given all authority, and this Jesus, with overwhelming authority, who holds the universe in his hand, chose to tell us the two adjectives that who he is is gentle and humble. His very heartbeat. You cannot outrun his mercy. And this, my friends, is the gospel. Jesus offers us a kind yoke, a well-fitting yoke lined with love because he carried the heavy yoke we deserve. He wore the yoke that led him to Calvary. It's the great exchange. He takes our yoke and he gives us one that's kind. Isn't that great? So what does this mean for our everyday Monday morning? What is our response as we go out into our weary, heavy-laden world? My friends, whatever you are going through, whatever valley you are in, or fear, or anxiety, or worry, or whatever mess is swirling in your life, Jesus invites you to come. And he is gentle and kind. Tim and I are just finishing a sabbatical. And one of the things that I did at the beginning of sabbatical was take a pottery class. And in this pottery class, I learned a whole lot about myself in that lump of clay. And one of the first things I learned was at the very beginning, you get this hard lump of clay and you just whip it onto the wheel. And it is stubborn and unmovable and lumpy and does not want to be shaped. And the teacher said to me, you just have to let the clay feel the gentle hands of the potter. Give it time and water and let the potter's hands rest on that clay. And the Lord said, that's you, Renee. Just let me, let my hands rest on you. Whatever mess you are in, the Lord knows, and he is gentle and kind. He's given you himself. We desperately want the Lord to give us answers, a timeline, a solution. Tell me how the story's going to end, that everything's going to be all right. Give me 10 steps and I'll do it and we'll be good. But Jesus does not promise that. In fact, he tells us we will have trouble. We won't have all the answers. There's going to be things we wrestle with for the rest of our life. But what he does promise us is himself. Recently, a very dear professor was corresponding with our son, Jacob. 
and they were talking about questions of faith and doubt and what do I do with those things that stir in me that don't have answers. And I want to read you the email the professor wrote back. He said, the Bible tells us that for now, we see through a glass dimly. That's what we get. We're not going to fully see or understand. The only promise God gives us is that he will be with us. He doesn't promise understanding. He promises abiding. And that is enough. So this week, my friends, will you come? Will you soak in the gentleness and kindness of your Jesus? What might that look like? Do you know that Jesus enjoys you? Do you know that he never gets tired of you? That he likes going with you to math class or to the office? That he likes peeling apples with you or feeding the dog or reading a book? He really does. He's an actual friend. So what if we started our days this week by asking this question? What are we doing today together, Lord? Where are we going together today, Lord? What if we actually begin to talk with Jesus throughout our day when we say like, wow, what was up with that driver that cut me off, Lord? Or what a beautiful sunrise today, Lord. What if we actually come to Jesus in our everyday, ordinary moments? What would we find? And maybe we could invite other weary travelers too. I know a lot of people who are angry and confused and tired. And the gentle and humble Jesus invites us to lay our burdens down and also offer that hope to our weary world. You guys, we are free to love generously to be humble and gentle ourselves because we have been loved by the only one that matters. We can invite people to see the real Jesus. So when the world might feel like it's falling apart, when the political divisions are rippling through your family or the future seems uncertain, Jesus says, come. To me, In your mess, I love you every single moment. I enjoy you even in your darkest hour. You can't reach the bottom of my mercy. His love is lavish. The real Jesus, the gentle and humble and all-powerful Jesus loves you. He really, really loves you. And you know what? He likes you. He enjoys you. He's called you his friends. And you are free to set down your heavy heart and receive that unending, unshakable love. Let's pray together.
Jesus, we so often don't see you as you really are. We think that your posture is a pointed finger when your posture is open arms. That you like us. That you enjoy us. That you run to us in our suffering. That our weakness and weariness and burdens don't frustrate you or push you away, but draw you closer in. What kind of love is this? I pray for my family and friends in this place that we would come. That we would set down our false ideas of who you are or what we have to do and we would receive your gentle and kind smile. On a park bench like my young friend in our car on the way to Meyer, that we would come. We love you, Jesus. Amen.